I want to start off today, uh, I guess, with a brief acknowledgement that I, I, just, I, I think I, I know and I sense that not, not everyone in, the, in this room perhaps feels as if the content of the series that we've been exploring really um, is where you're at. And I understand because a lot of the content that we've explored has been around the themes of conflict and division, um, divides. And you might think, but I don't really feel those divides. And that's fair enough. That's fair to say, even though you know, news today might seem to suggest that the world is more divided right now than ever, um, you might not feel like that for yourself and your, in your own life yourself and for our church. And as we continue, though, I'm just thinking about the world for a moment, as we continue to find new ways, I say this, that you might not sense this, but it's amazing how these days we, what am I trying to say here, we, we seem to continue to find new ways and places to, um, to engage and to entrench our divides as a society on a scale that's never been seen before. So just take, for example, the fact that even... Now, 2.9 billion people use a platform such as Facebook, which is over a third of the world's population. It's incredible. We live in a world that is more connected, it seems, now than ever, and yet platforms like Facebook and others seem to be the, the environments where we, ex- we, we increasingly experience um, a, a world that is very much divided as well. Um, so despite this incredible ability we have now you know, to connect with others in the world, it's also enabling us to become more and more um, aware of our divides and perhaps to become more aligned with others who think just like us and so in a way entrenching or increasing those divides. It's an interesting kind of thought that we are more connected and yet more divided perhaps, than ever, in fact, before. And so I really want this, this series that we're exploring to be, to be a gift um, for us as we, as, we move and, um, as we move and live in these times. And I think one of the reasons, though, why we struggle, I've been thinking about this connected yet divided world, one of the reasons why we struggle as people who want to follow Jesus is because I think we haven't kept up with the habits or we don't, we sort of kept up with this change in terms of having the habits um, or the skills that we need to, to be like him in this ever more complex and ever more connected yet divided world. But if this still doesn't connect with you today, then please be aware that for, for anyone who is kind of my age and below, that this really is the, the sort of the, the air that people breathe today, you know, that, that we are living in this super connected yet also super divided world. So I guess just to be clear, the purpose for me of this series is to equip us, is to equip us as a church for this task of, of living in a super connected, super divided world in a way that helps us to bring the reconciling news of God's love into our homes, into our streets, and into our worlds. And it starts, of course, with us here. But I also want to say that I guess I sense that I possibly haven't helped us um, in this series with 
with this title um, that you see here on the screen because by, I suppose, calling it crossing the divide, I sense I've inadvertently implied that there's only one conflict or divide that's on my mind. Um, But there's not. Um, Even if, as I say that, even if there was one conflict more than others, or one divide more than others that inspired the idea, Um, which is, you know, Elephant in the room? No, it's not an elephant in the room, but, you know, which is the, the, the divide that occurred during the, the COVID-19 um, pandemic and all the flurry around the vaccine mandates and so on. Um, this, is, this was a divide and a conflict that occurred in every single church and family that I know, including, including ours. Um, and I'm aware that as a church, we, we still have work to do, even if you feel like we're okay. Um, but you'd have to be living under a rock, I think, to know that, that there are plenty more conflicts, to, to not to know that there are plenty more conflicts and divides in our world than, than this. However, even if the whole issue with the vaccine was the start, it's also helped me to see that we can grow and we can be better and do better as a, as a church, not just this church as well. We can, we can do better at, at managing and equipping ourselves for these divides. Um, it's amazing how the last year or so was a, a revealer. It acted as a revealer, I think, to how, how ready and equipped we are to, to negotiate our differences and to, to negotiate our divides. So what I want to do is I want to change the name. And I want to, just as a signal that I've sensed that that, that that probably hasn't helped, just to say instead of crossing the divide, from now on let's refer to it as crossing divides. And that's what this is about. It's about um, equipping us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to negotiate difference in ways that honour and give glory to him. Okay, so now to the Gospel of Luke, where I am excited to explore a wonderful example again of Jesus really showing us all how it's done, showing us how to enter into spaces of difference and divides and conflict and and how he really does show us the way. So I've asked Petrina to come and she's going to read to us from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. You might want to have it open in front of you, but I will also have the words up on the screen. Thanks, Petrina. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined reclined at the table when a woman who had lived a sinful life um, in that town learned, when a woman learned, sorry, I'll start again that sentence. (laughs) When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, uh, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and as she stood behind him, sorry, yeah, behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. 
Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to him, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And um, then Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owned money to a certain money lender. Um, one, owed him five, one owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, um, so he cancelled the debts for, debt for both of them. Um, now which of them would love him more? Simon replied, I, sus- I suppose the one with the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little and Jesus turned to her and said your sins are forgiven the other guests began to say among themselves who is this who even forgives sins and Jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace thank you Petrina So can you imagine that you're out for dinner? You're out for dinner in the home of a highly respected couple. In their very nice house. In a very expensive part of town. You're out for dinner in a house in a home like this. Such that you've been spending all day in advance preparing what you will wear how you're going to look. And you've even been sort of dusting up your manners as well so that you don't make a a mistake when it's time for the meal. Now, I don't know about you, but as I thought about this, um, for me, in my mind, I I went straight to the days when there's a student at university um, in Wellington. I used to work as what was called a steward, um, a very fancy word for a waiter really, um, in what was then the home in New Zealand of the Queen, believe it or not. It's government house. Um, and I always say you can boast around family. Um, I did have the opportunity to serve the Queen and Prince Philip when she um, was and he were last here in New Zealand. Um, But I also wonder what it was like for the people who who were there, for for the few sort of lucky people when I worked there who had received an invitation, often in the mail, to attend one of the many different banquets and balls that, that we would host. Now, while they would have been busily preparing what they would wear, we as stewards 
as we record, we would be carefully preparing the house and the tables, if you can imagine, with the, with the expensive crystal glasses worth about $150 each. And we used to carry them round on a tray with about eight of them on a tray filled with wine. And the porcelain plates and bowls all laid out carefully with your measuring tape around the spaces and all of the silver that was laid around the place where they would sit. This is what we were doing as they were preparing what they would wear and, and what it would be like when they would come. But now, <clears throat> over the top of that image, I also want to tell you something else. I want to tell you another story um, from my life around a similar time when I was living in that place. Around this time, I was also involved in a church. <clears throat> and into this church one night, and for many nights to come, in fact, came a man. As we were all you know, singing and praising God like this. A man who did not really fit in. He was always completely dressed in black. He had long black hair, and he would often as well stink like drink. Now, for the most part, hardly anyone even knew because he would tend to come in late and just help himself sit up the back. But from time to time, he'd cause a wee bit of a stir, and a few of the leaders would want to take him outside to pray. Now, pray. When I say pray, I mean the kinds of prayers where they would shout and they would be gathering around this man to sort of try to cast out the demons and, and, and all of the stuff that, you know, that they sensed was there. He said himself, in fact, that he was a, a follower of Satan. Um, and, and so it was during these times, as I'd often be there as well, often on the side, when, as we prayed, the Spirit of God was inviting me to see something new. So God in this time was inviting me to see something new. And the, the, the message that prompted that for me came from Romans. When I looked it up, I discovered it was Romans chapter 12, and it went like this. If your enemy is hungry, then feed them. Or if he is thirsty, then give him a drink. And then the, the big part for me that stood out was do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, or in my mind, with overcome evil with love. And so, to be honest, this is what I chose to do, because I felt led. And I'll tell you what happened next soon. There are two moments from my life that I remembered as I listened to these words about Jesus, which Petrina read before. With the first, it's because of the context of the meal that was in the home of a very important man who was the host. It was a place where only a certain type of people were invited to come so that the owner of the house could feel proud. And even more, on this special occasion, he had this visiting preacher there as well. He was clearly thought of by some, at least as a prophet. A prophet who had the power as well to forgive sins. 
as it says at the end. And so Simon had an interest in this meal going well, didn't he? Both for his guests who he had invited to the meal, and also, I think, for his sense of purity and for his sense of pride. But then, all of a sudden, into his home comes a woman who in no way at all matched this scene. She did not fit in. She's described in this adoring way, joke, as an immoral woman from the city, as a sinner, which coupled with the way that she behaved around this meal could have only meant one thing in people's minds. This is why the host of the dinner quickly gets up and says about his guest, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this woman is. Could this possibly have been a joke, I wondered to myself, because in a culture like that, even just the act of letting down your hair could have only meant one thing. And he wouldn't have needed to have been a prophet to have known that. Only just before the story, in verses 33 to 34, if you've got it open in in a Bible, you'll see that Jesus has already been labelled by some as a friend of women and men just like these, just like this. And from then, and then now, through the way that Jesus responds to this sinful woman of the city, he only proves how much more this is true, the friend of sinners. John the Baptist, it says, John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, he feasts and he drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunken and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown right by the the lives of those who follow it. So what's happening in this scene? And I've wondered, how are you and how are we around those who are different from ourselves? This woman who enters this banquet and she doesn't really fit in, does she? She, she, she really stands out. And, and like this guy who I mentioned um, at, at church. Let me tell you what I learned about our, our three simple habit, habits that we've been exploring from the time that I spent with my friend who did not fit in at our church. The habits, of course, are being curious, being present and, and inviting the Holy Spirit to sort of enlarge and to shape our imaginations, to, to be able to see new ways of being and you know, of inter- interacting with others in the world. My friend, he was a man who worshipped Satan. Yuck. You know, Satanist. And Every part of me just wants to stay away. Would it not be true for you? 
But as everyone else prayed these words, if your enemy is hungry, then give him food. If your enemy is thirsty, then you should give him something to drink. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with love. These words, you know, they were, they were coming into my mind and they were challenging me to imagine that there were new ways to see, new ways to relate to a man such as he. I guess I believe that God was helping me to see what only God sometimes can see. And I'm continuing to learn today how much we can grow through these three habits, that, you know, what we're describing as three habits of being curious, being present, and inviting the Holy Spirit to, to shape our imaginations and to more, so that we can, we can see more God-like ways of seeing and of, and of relating to others in the world where we might otherwise instead have wanted to judge, perhaps, maybe to build up our walls, maybe like Simon, to, to try to keep ourselves pure and untainted by another person's sin. And so we want to stay away. But instead, what I did is I felt I was being led. As I began by inviting this man for a walk to a cafe down the road where I bought him some food. Huh. If your enemy is hungry, buy him some food. So bought him some food for us to share and there was space for him to talk. And I took the time to actually ask him some questions about his life, which gradually started to make more sense, funnily enough. As I tried for as long as I could to be present over the next few weeks and months. One day he invited me to his flat, and I can honestly tell you that it was gross. <laughs> it was gross. And yet, bit by bit, you know, it's just a, a really gross atmosphere and really yuck. And yet, I can honestly, honestly say that bit by bit, he was starting to change. And so was I, because I was starting to care. And he, he was no longer just this dark black figure who would arrive at our church and stand out. In fact, I was starting to see that perhaps the one thing that was missing in all of our fervent prayers at the church was just a little hint, perhaps, of love. Or, as was said about Jesus, you know, to be his friend. And I would pray, God, when I look at him, please help me to see what you see. Please help me to see what you see. And I believe that God answers those prayers. And I believe that God can answer those prayers for us as well. You know, God helped me to see, to reimagine that here was a man who was still in some ways a child who'd been beautifully made by God in God's image. And yet ever since his birth, he'd been surrounded by death 
and hates and the occult. Through no fault, in the beginning at least, of his own. Now as time went on, he became quite happy for me to pray. I can't recall, but perhaps he even asked me to pray from time to time. Especially when I prayed in ways that no longer left him feeling like that woman with Jesus who was shunned by those people at the meal. Just reinforced that label that was placed on her, an immoral woman of the city. She was a sinner. Eventually, I was heading overseas, and we actually fell out of touch. Um, Until some months later, when I was back home, I was told by another friend that this guy who I'd met had actually given his life to Jesus, and he'd joined and become a part of a church just down the road that was probably just a little bit more accepting of guys like him. So, an amazing end to that story. For me, and I can give other examples too of of the power of curiosity, being present, and inviting the Holy Spirit to help us to see what God sees. And so, as I try to draw this now to a close, as I try to sort of round up these thoughts, I want to ask, like, cut. Take two, how could this story have changed or have been different if the host of this banquet by the name of Simon, how could this story have changed if Simon had just taken the time to pause, to be open and to be curious about the woman who was there rather than just so quickly writing her off as he did. How could this story have changed? You know, if Simon had just paused and asked, who really is she? Who is this woman? And how did she get to where she is? How did she get to where she was? What's her story, you know? And what might God see or say about her? You know, and I wondered, was there even a way that Simon and this woman could be friends? We sang a song before. I had to quickly try to scribble down to remind myself the words. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's a beautiful song. But I realized that songs like this that we often sing, that tend to be only focused on me in my relationship with God. It's about me being whole. But God has a vision that He want, that God wants us to see. God wants to expand our imagination so that we can see what God sees. God wants us to be whole. God wants the community to be whole. God wants A church that is whole and that necessitates being a friend to people such as these. Sometimes it means 
being a friend to people who are different to ourselves, who think different, who act different, who look different. And it's for these reasons that we need these habits and that we need these skills. How could this story have played out different if Simon had taken the time just to pause, to be curious about what he saw, to be more present and to invite the Holy Spirit to enlarge his imagination to see what God sees. If not, what was it that stood in Simon's way? What was it that prevented him from doing these things? Or similarly, what is it that prevents us from doing the same like that ourselves? It's amazing how easily prejudices come into our minds about others, I think. And for me, this is where this season that we've come through as a church, as a country, and as a world, it's amazing how this season has been a revealer of how we are with others who are different to ourselves, especially when it starts to touch our heart starts to press our buttons and when our emotions start to to creep up and get involved. So if we take the story that we've heard and now if we apply it back to us, what would it look like for us? And whatever situation comes to mind for you, it might not be the church, it might be somewhere at work, it might be at school, it might be at home. What would it look like and how? what might happen? How might the story play out? If you, if we were to take a moment to pause, to be curious, present, and to invite God to enlarge our imaginations to see what God sees. In this story, Jesus has shown how we can welcome a person who may be very different or even strange to ourselves. And he even does this to the point of appearing to be drawn into this woman's sin, to be tainted by this woman's sin as well. But on the other hand, maybe it was the only way that she knew to show love, because that's all that she'd ever known. I guess only a bit of time and a bit of curiosity might have taught Simon that. And Jesus shows that there are other ways beyond how we may have already learned to respond around those who are different and around those that we don't like. And Jesus does this in the way that he receives the one thing that she can give that others clearly viewed as sin. And he opens the way to reimagine her gift and her behavior as a beautiful and authentic display, an innocent display of love. Huh. But it doesn't stop there. Because there's the one person in the room who was not invited to the feast. She's honored by Jesus as the one person who is behaving as the host is the real host. While Simon was distracted by his own 
personal prejudices and fears. From verse 44, Jesus looks straight at Simon, as we heard before, and he says, in essence, Simon, you are so proud that you're my host. And yet when I came into your house, you offered no water for my feet, as was the custom of the time. And yet she has not stopped washing her feet with her tears and with her hair. You did not greet me with a kiss, which was another common gesture of welcome at the time. And yet from the time that I arrived, she has not stopped. Thirdly, and you did not anoint my head with oil. Again, this was the custom for hosts too. You did not anoint my head with oil, and yet she has anointed my head with expensive perfume, perhaps the only precious thing that she might have owned. Now, based on this, who was behaving as the host? Then at the end of the chapter, Jesus says, your faith has saved you, so go in peace. And he said this because it was clear that out of all the people in the room, she was the one person who was aware of and who had received God's grace. The one thing, of course, that we all need as well. And we need to carry this awareness of our need of God's grace into every different context that we go. Let it help us to remember and to see. Let it, let it help us to remember to pause and to be present, to be curious and to be present before casting judgment or before you know, running to our divides. So as I, as I close now, I want to ask you to think about just one person or one, perhaps one group of people who might stand out to you today as being different to yourself or to us. It could be someone who you know. It could be someone in our church who is sitting here today. Or perhaps they're not. It may be someone or a group who's hurt you or caused you pain or who you really just don't like. It could be someone at work. It could be someone at school. It could be someone on your street. And I'd encourage you, if you can, to, to, to really concentrate on that person. You might even want to write their name down so they do not forget. I just want to give us this simple challenge, which is that with that one person or group in your mind, are you willing to commit to just trying these three simple habits in the week that's to come? The habit of being curious about what makes them tick about who they are. Perhaps you might like to let that let, let, let lead you into prayer, asking God to reveal to you more about who they are and what makes them tick. Can we practice the habit of being present when they talk so that we would really try to listen and to cut them some slack, to give them some time instead of just writing them off as annoying or as strange? Or is perhaps the person who's caused me pain? 
And I'd especially ask you to do that if that person right now is me. (laughs) Cut me some slack, you know. Be curious. Be present. I'm nearly there. And then, of course, can we invite the Holy Spirit to enlarge our imaginations, to increase and to grow our imaginations, to be able to see in new ways, to see new ways that we can think and that we, we can be in this world towards this person or to that person as well. Can you think of that person and can you hold that person or that group in your minds as we, I just want to lead you now in prayer to close. Lord Jesus, you have called us to gather around you. Help us as we remember this person or these people this week, Lord, to remember that they too have been invited to gather around you. And it's only by your grace, Lord, that we can come. Lord, let us be a community. Let us create a culture within our community, Lord, that is welcoming loving, curious, present towards others. And would you shape our thoughts, our imaginations, Lord, to see what you see, to be the people who you want us to be. Nothing but the blood. Make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.